everybody, it's time for Roll for Intent with the Creator's Corner, and we are back with episode two of Rage of Elements, still plugging our way through this monster of a class, the Kineticist. How are we doing today, Trevor? It's the morning. It's our second recording in the morning. I think I like them, but I'm still trying to get used to them. It's like 7.30 for you. I don't care. I was also up to like <laughs> two. <laughs> so roll out of bed, get a cup of coffee, walk to the computer. All right, are you ready to do this? <laughs> yeah, I, you're a night owl. I'm a morning person. It, it drives my wife insane. She's like, How do you just wake up and you're ready to face the day? It's not right. <laughs> I typically am a morning person. That's the thing. My wife has 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 perverted the the way that I do my sleep cycle. I spent my whole childhood waking up at like five in the morning with no problem. It's only been like the past three or four years. I think it's been since my kids have started to be able to uh, uh, wake up and deal with their own stuff rather than me have to. That I'm like, I'm going to try sleeping in. And sleeping in is literally never later than seven. So, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. When when I say I'm gonna sleep in, that yeah, that's six thirty. Woo! I made it to six thirty. Yeah. All right, so it looks like we're jumping into impulses today, right? Like like like, like the, the elemental impulses because we spent a solid forty five plus minutes on just the base kineticist class last time. Yeah, there's a lot to this class, and there is six elements of impulses that we need to get through. And all of them actually kind of follow the same format. You're going to have four impulses at first level, and then two at every even level. You have two at four, two at six, two at eight, ten, twelve. Actually, no, you don't have any. None at ten. Yeah, there's none at ten, because that's when you... None at ten, none at sixteen. Close to every... only get one at 14. How rude. Right? 14, I always feel like, is such a weird level. It gets left out. And I understand that, like, not a lot of parties are going to get that high. But I've noticed that a lot. Like, if I've built a character high up to 14th level, I'm always struggling at 14, 15 to figure out what I want to get. That's really weird. Maybe that's why, because they front load all the feats, and they're like, well, there's probably another one that they want down there. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sure there is a lot to pick from that you're like, oh, I still want to get that. <laughs> like, you hit level 15, and do you still want Whisper on the Wind, which is a really fun level one feat for air kineticists? Yes, we are going in alphabetical order here, because, well, that's how the book arranges them, and that makes sense to... Some of us of a certain generation, I can't believe my kids are going to school like they don't teach them the alphabet in order. They're like, oh, that's not important. I'm like, hmm, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I think I agree with that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Our first level air impulses there. Yeah, air is kind of designed to be a middling of combat and a middling of utility. And they have a lot of really fun stuff you say that but i think this is the best some of the best mobility in the entire game can be gained by going oh yeah no hands down air yeah but they're the utility of they they have your air boomerang this is a a 60 foot line 
It does 2d4 slashing damage, basic reflex save against your class DC. And like all the new cantrips you're seeing, this is, or this isn't a cantrip, but it's all of these low level abilities or impulses. You're going to see like weakened damage because again, the kineticist can do this every single round. You can launch an aerial boomerang if you want to. So you, you always see slightly reduced damage from what you might be expecting from a spellcaster. Uh, unless they have the, um, oh shoot, the overflow trait, then that's the only reason you might not be able to do them every round. But even then, some of them you can because they're only two actions. So you could do it and then regain your element and then do it again next round. Or regain your element next round and do it again. So it's the kind of crazy thing about aerial boomerang though, is like once you use it and it goes out in a line on the next, on your next turn, it returns in that same line and hits everything again. If it's still there. So yes. you could, you could use a single action to bring it back to you. Um, and you could send out another aerial boomerang all at the same time, right? Like Christian was saying, there's, there's no restrictions on things like that. Um, and keep in mind this, it returns to your current location. So if you throw this out with two actions and then move and then next round, you could move twice and then use an action to bring it back. Your ability to affect things with this one ability is very, very useful. There's so much you can do with it. We've got air cushion, which is pretty much a uh, remote catfall. Uh, you can, uh, uh, as a reaction, a uh, creature within 60 feet is falling. You can uh, give them an air cushion uh, to make it so that they don't uh, hit the ground and take damage. They won't take any damage. It slows their speed uh, to 60 feet per round, and then the effect ends when they hit the ground or if a minute passes and they haven't hit the ground. But that's a neat one. Um, it's a really good get-out-of-jail-free card. Uh, if you're doing some sort of campaign where you're, there's a lot of uh, height elevations or your GM just likes to give you lots of height elevations and kick you off cliffs, that's always fun. Well, you fix his little red wagon with air cushion. Yeah, it's really a feather fall on steroids. Yeah, no, it's, it's good stuff. I like it. And that heightens up to level or eighth level, which for this means your character level eight, that the range is 120 feet and the cushion will affect up to five falling creatures so that's cool that's a a little bit of a difference in this you're going to see these heightened levels it gives you a level number or a you know level plus two plus three but those levels those are your character levels those are not what are now going to be uh what are spells going to not tears ranks. Ranks. spell ranks yes uh yeah that's I, I really really glad you brought that up because all of these say just like a level modifier in them and it works a lot like a heightened uh, version of it. Um, but they just tell you it's it's your level. It's and and it's it's no longer um, it's no longer vague because we don't have spell levels and character levels. Right as of this book, it's a rank. So if they say level plus two, then it's not a spell related thing. Period. And I like that. I like getting rid of that that vague wording. Uh, we're not going to go through every one of these for you guys because this, again, would take way too long. But uh, another first level one for air is four wins. And I wanted to mention this one. It's really cool as a, you know, a utility caster. You target up to four willing creatures within 30 feet of you. 
Each of those creatures can stride up to half their speed. If they have a fly speed, they can use that also. So just very cool that on your turn, you can allow your allies to get into position for things. So there isn't a lot of things that allow this. So it's it's nice and unique and very fun. So these the kineticist elements so full of flavor. It's a really good thing to start a combat with if you get the initiative drop on somebody you know use a aura to, or use an action to activate your aura and then two actions to run four wins and give everybody a positioning advantage if somebody got the drop on you or even if they don't it's always good to give everybody a little bit more you know 15 feet of movement minimum for everybody is nothing to sneeze at and at 10th level that improves up to your full speed instead of half so i'm really digging the level four uh, impulse lightning dash i think it's really cool and maybe i think it's cool because i used to play dota and there was a character whose ultimate <laughs> was essentially this you transform yourself into a being of pure lightning and fly forward shocking anyone in your way so you go in a 30 foot line you can move through creatures it doesn't trigger reactions and everything you move through is a basic reflex save uh or 2d 12 electricity damage and uh you return to your normal form in the final square. If every three levels, the length of the line increases by five feet and the damage increases by 1d12. This is the first overflow impulse. So this will knock your kinetic aura off, but it, it makes sense. This has the possibility of dealing pretty massive damage with little to no risk to you. It's, I think it's neat too. I think thematically it's cool. Yeah, this one's fun because it, it's two actions. So you could get the you can basically regather your elements in that same turn. But not only does it deal damage, it moves you too. So even though it's only two actions, it still kind of covers a, a third action in the fact that it allows you to move 30 feet as well. Right. The, and this is not only will it allow you, you know, to to move and do damage, you could definitely use this to get away from something pretty quickly as well. Um, if you're otherwise blocked and you wouldn't have the ability to tumble through or move away, there doesn't appear to be anything that would stop you unless they had a reaction that interrupted this. You should be in pretty good shape. Really fun one, I think. And um, one of the things is, too, when you um, gather your elements, you're allowed to do one action either an elemental blast or a stance. And at fourth level, we also see our first stance, air shroud. It allows everything inside your kinetic aura. If they need air to breathe, it supplies that air. And then range attacks take a minus one penalty if they pass through your aura. And the aura is difficult terrain for flying creatures other than yourself. So very cool, because like these auras are so awesome in the sense that you can use lightning dash you could then regather your element and you could activate air shroud if you had that all in the same turn. Right. Don't sleep on things like air shroud, anything that makes it so that your party can breathe when they otherwise couldn't. Good stuff. <laughs> Breathing is one of those things you really do take for granted until you can't breathe. <laughs> Definitely. Oh no, the monster swallowed our, our caster. Let me jump in there and get him some air so he doesn't suffocate. <laughs> when we hop up to level six, we get another overflow uh, impulse. It's called clear as air. It essentially gives you invisibility at level six. 
and you can sustain that impulse, and it works just like invisibility. If you use a hostile action, uh, the impulse ends, and this is an overflow impulse. If you reactivate your kinetic aura, they they can see potentially any effects that your aura causes, and you can only use it uh, fully every 10 minutes, or else you're just concealed. So it's not like you can... And I like this. I like that restriction because it's not like you can treat it like a level, you know, a higher level invisibility and then just use it, take a hostile action, and then immediately conceal yourself again on the next turn or invisibility yourself on the next turn. You're just concealed. So it's just a flat check, not they can't even see you. Now, as that levels up, um, like at level 10, it doesn't end if you take a hostile action. You just turn, you become concealed instead of visible. And at level 16, it works like a heightened invisibility where hostile action does not end the effect. I, I think this is really neat. Um, it's not something that I would have thought of putting in air, but I'm glad they did. Uh, eighth level, we get the best fly spell in the game. At eighth level, it is called Cyclone Ascent. You gain a fly speed equal to your land speed or 30 feet, whichever is greater, for 10 minutes. However, this is not an overflow or anything, so you simply can recast this whenever you like. So to me, the 10 minutes is a, a non sequitur. I mean, who cares? You can just do this whenever you want. Unlike a normal fly speed, you can move upward without treating it as difficult terrain. That's actually huge uh, that you are able to do that because if you aren't aware of that and fly with fly speeds, that changes the dynamic of flying a lot. It does make it so it's not so difficult to deal with. And in addition, if you use any air impulse during your turn, then you that counts as using a action to fly like if you use an air impulse you do not need to f spend any action to fly after that it, it counts towards that so also uh, another cool effect for that so you're not having to burn actions that way either i like how they're able to build things upon each other if you're building your air kineticist to be primarily utility and not damage dealing you can essentially self-buff by giving yourself cyclonic assault or i'm sorry Cyclonic Ascent, and then uh, Shroud of Air, um, and become invisible and flying and support your team as needed without having any real danger to yourself. Yeah, they have a lot of cool abilities. So I think people that like air, and I know I remember during the playtest, people were concerned about having uh, lightning effects for air, and there are plenty of electrical effect effects in here. In fact, one of the damage types you can choose with your elemental blast out the gate for air is electricity. So your, your blast can immediately start dealing electrical damage if you so choose. Speaking of electrical damage, when you go up to level 12, we get ghosts in the storm, which is really neat. Um, you... It's, it's, a, uh, it's a stance, so it's one of those things that if you have this, you can enter it as soon as you gather your element. Uh, anyone surrounded in your kinetic aura, uh, they're surrounded by storm clouds, essentially. They get a plus two status bonus to their reflex saves and acrobatics checks. And if an affected creature uses a move action, the clouds continue to dance around it, and they are treated as having uh, concealment, and their strikes gain a shock rune. Very neat, I think. Uh, more towards the whole utility, right? Uh, you're concealed, your reflex is higher, so like 
if something's going to try to target you with a breath weapon or something and you got to use a reflex save, you're a bit more protected and your allies can essentially keep coming back to the well and get more shock damage. It's cool. Sorry, and get more this. Yeah, shock, shock room, get more electricity damage. Always nice to get more damage. And I think we definitely need to pick up the pace on these and jumping into our 18th level. We have one of the the final feats, infinite expanse of the bluest heaven. This is a three action overflow ability. And this thing is actually (laughs) hilarious. I love this ability. An illusion of limitless expanse with an impossible blue sky makes all within feel the sensation of falling forever. The vision appears in a 20-foot burst within 100 feet. The illusion lasts until the end of your next turn, but you can sustain it up to one minute. Using this impulse again, and the previous one, each creature in the area or that later enters it must attempt will save against your class DC. Creatures within with the air trait are immune. Any effect of the illusion ends for a creature as soon as it leaves the illusion's area. The impulse ends, and the creature then becomes temporarily immune for one hour. And then your saving throw, critical success, creatures unaffected, success, the creature is off guard, which is the new term for flat-footed. Failure, the creature is off guard. It is fleeing from the illusion, but also disoriented. Anytime it uses an action to attempt to flee, it must succeed a DC-11 flat check or flee to a space that's still within the illusion. The GM determines where the creature ends up, but the creature can't stay stationary if it's able to move. Uh, this is just such a, a fun ability to, for uh, an air kineticist, I thought. We also can't ignore the fact that these names are super anime, and that's really going to tickle a certain segment. Between that oh, and the other yeah, 18th no. level one is called Crowned in Tempest's Fury. I mean, just fun. We want to we dive into the Earth? Straight Heck into yeah. it? Earth is my favorite. I love the Earth. It's so great. I live here. Uh... <laughs> Unlike everyone else listening to this. (laughs) Okay, so first level, we get armor and earth. It gives you essentially rock armor on your body, stone armor. It gives you uh, AC bonus plus four, dex cap plus one. There's a minus two check penalty and a minus 10 uh, speed with a strength requirement of 16. But I mean, you can build your kineticist for strength. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, anything you have applied rune wise to like your explorer's clothing or whatever uh, gets applied to this and it lasts for 10 minutes and you can dismiss it and you can use this again. There's no restriction. So this is effectively permanent. You would just have to spend an action every 10 minutes to turn it back on. Yeah. And it's abilities like this that really I can see so many classes getting into the kineticist as an archetype using free archetype that. Oh, I don't get armor. I think I'm going to go with this armor and earth ability so that I can have equivalent of armor. Because there's no this. This is just an AC bonus. This this is an untyped AC bonus. Um, And it uses your highest proficiency that you have already. When you go up to level three, it becomes a heavy armor. Still uses your existing proficiency. But the AC bonus becomes plus five and it gets bulwark. That is so good. And that's at level three. Dude, that's so good. I love it. Uh, we have a geological attunement, stepping stones, uh, tremor, all finishing out your first level abilities. Uh, very fun abilities. Uh, no one is going to be disappointed with the kineticist abilities. They have so much going for them. Stepping stones is 
is one I really enjoyed for some pretty fun utility. Basically, it's as you would imagine, discs of rocks. Uh, they come out and they you can set them horizontally to make a, a path across liquid or anchor them to a surface to have them go up. The path can be up to 20 feet, four squares long, and the steps can extend up to 10 feet up to the side up the side of a surface. All squares must be contiguous and within 60 feet. Moving across the path lets creatures ignore difficult terrain and hazardous terrain from the ground beneath it. The disc lasts until the end of your next turn, but you can sustain the impulse. Now you'll notice in this one, it doesn't, there's nothing that says, oh, if you use it again, that it collapses. So it, it's only two actions. So theoretically, you can use this and have two going because you can sustain it and then make another one and then sustain it and make another one. In effect, with this one, you can make a path forever as long as you are not interrupted. Like you can get your group almost anywhere by doing this. So, very, very fun ability that just is going to have so much utility in the game. Igneogenesis is a level four one. That's essentially the manipulate element bit that the kineticist gets that they can do things with their element just turned up to 11. They can make permanent objects with their 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 ability um can take a little bit longer so if you take a full hour to use igneogenesis as an exploration activity uh it will make a permanent item so like you could outfit an entire house with rock chairs it'd be awesome uh when you go to every three levels you can add an additional five foot cube to the object so you can make something bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger yeah i feel like Earth Elementalist, above all the others, is great for downtime making money. Like, I make statues and decorations for yeah, people's lawns I, and stuff. I'm telling you, I love the Earth one. There's nothing in this that I don't absolutely adore. It's so cool. Uh, and I'm going to steal your thunder because I know it's your turn, but Sand Snatcher is amazing. Uh, you no, essentially yeah, make go a it. bunch of arms rise out of an unoccupied square within 30 feet. Uh, you can be small or medium size, but it grapples things. It's arms that come out of the ground to grapple things. It, it uses your impulse attack roll instead of athletics and shares your map. Uh, and it lasts to the end of your next turn, but you can keep sustaining the impulse. Uh, my play style is so much about, about uh, 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 athletics actions and movement. This is why I love Earth so much, because it, it feeds perfectly into the things I like to do. And if you are one of those people that likes to grapple stuff and uh, like to make it so other things can't move where you don't want them to move, Earth is great just for things like Sand Snatcher. You can increase the size as you go up in level. At level 10, you can choose large size. At level 14, you can choose large or huge. I think that if I was GMing somebody that took this, I would allow them to use Titan Wrestler to allow their arms to grab larger things too but that's going to be up to your gm <laughs> eighth level we have a ability called spike skin uh this as you would imagine causes spikes to kind of grow from your skin no way the the target gains resistance four to all physical damage except adamantine whenever creature damages the target with a unarmed attack or non-reach melee weapon i actually really like that they added non-reach because a lot of things don't say that and i've always wondered like well if they have a reach weapon why would that affect them so <laughs> i have a feeling in core we're going to see a lot of non-reach melee weapon for some of the abilities yeah i agree uh, the attacking creature takes two piercing damage impulse lasts for 10 minutes each time the target takes physical damage the duration decreases by one minute Target is temporarily immune to the impulse for an hour, so you can't just keep dumping this on forever. 
Um, if you use a spike again, any previous one ends. And then every other level, the resistance and damage increases by two. So very, very cool. I'm going to jump all the way up to 14th, unless you have one in 12th that you just have to talk about. But I just nope, have to talk about a Earth's mantle. It's so, so fun. This is a stance. It essentially lasts forever. Yet again, you, you become a giant rock golem. You become large. If you're smaller, you, you surround your body with rocks. Um, it increases your reach by five feet or 10 feet. If you started out tiny, you get a climb speed equal to your land speed. You get a plus one circumstance bonus to four, plus two uh, circumstance to four or reflex against attempts to shove you, trip you, or knock you prone. It raises your strength to plus four if it's below four, or it raises you uh, up one if you already have plus four. And if you already have armor in earth, you add the effects of that to assume Earth's mantle. So again, you can start a combat, gather elements, because this is a, le- uh, a one-action stance impulse, you can immediately uh, rock out. Huh. I think it's fun. <laughs> I don't know how actually mechanically good it is, but like the, 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 them- the thematic quality of this is so, so good. Reach? Yes. More fort? Yes. More strength? Yes, I love it. <laughs> uh, jumping up to 18th level, we have Rebirth in Living Stone, and you'll love this one, too. It is a single action stance. Rock overflows from within your body, consuming your form before cracking open to reveal your body transformed into living stone. You gain 40 temporary hit points. You are immune to critical hits and precision damage. You can't be push-pulled or tripped while you're standing on earth or stone. And your elemental blast deals an additional 1d10 damage. Uh, If you basically use this ability again, you can sustain it for up to a minute. It lasts till the end of your turn unless you do sustain it. And then uh, if you use it again before 10 minutes, you do not regain those temporary hit points. You can only regain those every 10 minutes. But this, again, is a one action stance. So you can immediately jump into it. Yeah. When you're gathering your element, you can just, I'm going to go ahead and make myself immune to critical hits, precision. And if I'm on Earth or Stone, which is going to be a lot of the time then you can't push, pull, or trip me either. So, yes, uh, a very awesome ability, as one would expect from a 18th-level feat. Oh, my God, so good. All right, it's time to, 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 to fire. I don't know, that was a bad segue. <laughs> time one, to fire, yes. Time to fire, yes. Uh, burning Jet, level one, it's a two-action. You stride up to 40 feet in a straight line, uh, up to level six, and that also ignores difficult terrain and does not trigger reactions. Uh, up to level six, uh, it goes up to 60 feet, and you could also leap in 40 feet instead of striding. And at 10th level, uh, you hover briefly after leaping into the air. So if you leap, you don't fall until the end of your next turn. And you can go ahead and use Burning Jet again on a subsequent turn to remain air- airborne. So you can essentially air jump with Burning Jet at level 10. All right, next we have Flying Flame, and I want to tell you guys about this one because it's, again, a very unique one. You create a tiny shaped flame. Uh, It can appear in the form that you choose. It could be a bird. It could be an arrow. It could be a simple sphere. It flies from you in a 30-foot path that you choose. So basically, you get to make a 30-foot snake of squares. It can be, you know, up one, up two, and then over to the left, and then up again. I, you, however you want to make this path. And then 
Each creature it passes through takes 1d6 fire damage with a basic reflex save against your class CC. Creature attempts only one save, even if the flame passes, passes through them multiple times. But I also wanted to remind people that with the impulse junction uh, ability, if you've chosen fire when you first started or you gained it later, all your impulse damage go up one die category. And that's very important to remember for fire because it literally is every impulse, every fire impulse ability, you are going to up these damage dice. You know, we have 18 level abilities that deal 13 D6. That's going to be 13 D8 with that junction ability. So just keep that in mind for fire. Because I know some people are like, oh, why is fire deal so much less damage? It should deal more. Fire is your premier damage dealer, long and short. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep, that's why you got to remember, you can't just look at the individual stances. You have to look at the totality of a class when you try to understand how how the mechanics work together. And fire is a prime example of that. Everything looks like it's worse at first blush until you realize that if you go hard into fire, you're going to be dealing a lot of damage. Yeah, I mean, at fourth level, we hit Blazing Wave. It is an overflow, and you're like, oh, this is kind of like a, a slightly larger Burning Hands. It does, it's a 30-foot cone. It does 46 fire damage, basic reflex save. Although a creature that critically say, fails is also knocked prone. That's cool. But again, that 4d6 becomes 4d8. And then every other level, it increases by another d6. So yeah, fire is one of those ones you have to keep that in mind when you look at it, because you're like, oh, wow, yeah, no. At fourth level, having a oversized burning hands that what is that called now? Breath of fire, I believe, is with the ability to knock things prone when they critically fail. There's (laughs) there's a lot more fun with that. (laughs) 48 at level four and nothing to sneeze at either. And every two levels, you add a die to it. A crawling fire is fun. Um, This continues what we had in the last one, where at level six, you got some little elemental helper in combat. Where you got the uh, the the shifting sands uh, deal, but you create a beast of flame, uh, which is small and in an unoccupied space within thirty feet. You can sense from that thing's space using your senses, uh, so that's really neat. If you want to get inside of something that does concealment to things on the outside of it, you can gain senses on the inside of it. Uh, when you use a fire impulse, you can have it originate from the crawling fire instead. It lasts until the end of your next turn, but you can sustain it. Each time you sustain it, you can make it move up to 40 feet on its own. It cannot. It can be attacked, but it uses your stats for defense and is immune to fire. And any damage that would be dealt to it is dealt to you instead. So you got to be a little, uh, a little bit circumspect with where you put it. Uh, however... I really like the ability to make these a lot of these directionally based impulses come from another place. That's something about fire is a lot of the stuff is is directional from you. It's not just put it on a space. It's a cone or it's a line or something. And having an additional origin point should not be underestimated. I am a little bit um, confused as to why... There's nothing in here about attacking or anything, because as you increase the level, you can make it up to huge at level 14. But it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of benefit to making something huge other than making it have more spaces that it can originate something from. 
because it talks about it having a flaming pelt and searing claws, right? You would think it would have some sort of attack or at least some defense if something attacked it. So I'm a little confused on, on that bit of it, but I think it's really cool nonetheless because it opens the utility of your fire impulses that are directionally oriented. To, to have well, keep in mind your your elemental blast is a fire impulse, and there's melee versions of that. So as you as your that's calling fire becomes large or huge, you can then move. You can have that blast come from that creature, and if it is huge, that is a 15 foot reach on your blast, and keeping your your kineticist uh, a bit more out of harm's way. The blast is an impulse, though. Yeah, it has impulse trait on it. Oh, so. see, I, that, see, I, I did not remember that. So there, there's your reason for making it bigger. Good job. See, that's why you're here, Christian, because I'm an idiot. <laughs> yep, just you always have to keep in mind your, that is an impulse. So anything that affects impulses does affect those as well. I just want to hit Volcanic Escape really quick. I know it's already a six level one, but. This is, again, so freaking anime. Volcanic Escape is a reaction. An enemy in your kinetic aura damages you. Basically, lava explodes underneath you. Triggering enemy takes 1d6 fire damage with a basic reflex save against your class DC. You leap up to half your speed in any direction. This movement does not trigger reactions. So this is just very fun. It's like some creature comes up, starts attacking you, and boom, pop over to a space a little ways away. Now it's going to have to move again in an attempt to want to attack you. So it just allowing it to burn up its actions. So this is very so, fun. so good. If you're worried that the big boss monster that's got plus two APL is coming to use all three of his actions to hit you, it's not doing that anymore. And there's really nothing it can do about it. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, all the way through this, we don't have a lot of the utility that we have with the other, um, the other elements so far, there's a, a couple cool things like you can get wall of fire with one of these. But really, if you're here for fire, you're here for the damage. Uh, and because of that, I think I think let's just jump all the way up to 18 because there's a lot of more of the same. I don't want to minimize that this is really neat, but there's a lot less interest in some of the higher ones than there are in some of the other kineticist uh, in, uh, elements. All yeah, shall end in flames. Oh, I love this one. <laughs> I love All Shell Ended Flames. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not a, a, an anime watcher, but me, like all other uh, men of my age, uh, watched Dragon Ball Z when they were kids, and and this is this is totally a final explosion deal. Uh, white hot fire consumes everything in a cataclysmic sphere of death. Fills your choice of a thirty foot burst within five hundred feet or a thirty foot emanation. It deals thirteen d six fire damage with a basic reflex save. Now remember your junction thirteen d eight of fire damage with a basic reflex save against your class DC. Anything dropped to zero HP by the fire dies and is reduced to a pile of ash. So they it's essentially a death effect. <laughs> it is a death effect. It's got the death trait. I should say it, it die, literally does have the death trait, <laughs> right? If you die to this impulse, you come back to life at the start of your next turn in the same space with half with hit points equal to double your level. So automatically you get at least 32 hit points. Uh, when you get up to level 20, you get 15 D six slash 15 D eight. If you have the gate junction, I, I really enjoy this um, thematically. Um, it has the whole like Phoenix rising from the ashes feel at the end of it. Um, a really great way to like, oh crap, I have five HP left. Well, this is an auto heal next round. I'm going to use three actions and explode and nothing can kill me 
this round or next round, right? It's it's good stuff. I think it's fun. It's a level 18 feet, so you're not going to get it until the end of your career with one of these. But what a way to cap it off. That brings us into metal and... Metal has a little overlap with Earth in, in the way that their abilities function. You have a metal carapace. This functions very much like the Earth armor. Uh, the armor stats are a little different, though. This is a, a plus three armor with a dex cap of two, uh, strength 14. So you actually can go with a little less strength on this one. But this one also, you can choose to create a shield when you do this as well. And that shield, it gives you the shield block feet, so you don't have to worry about that. And you can, the impulse lasts for 10 minutes. You can dismiss it. If you use the impulse again, any existing one ends. The metal is rusted and fragile. If you take damage by a critical hit, the metal shatters and the impulse ends. That is kind of an important one to note. Right. This is also in the plate group. So if you have armor specialization or anything, that's important to remember too. This is plate armor and it's noisy. It doesn't give the, the shield stats, so I'm assuming we are just using a medium steel shield, and once it becomes broken, it just flakes and rusts away into nothing. And then every level plus three, the hardness of the shield increases by one, and its hit points increase by four, and its break threshold increases by two. This is another one that it lasts for 10 minutes, but like, there's no reason you can't start it back up again. There's no restriction here. Same thing, like if you use the shield block and the shield breaks and it crumbles, you could just use Metal Carapace again, you get your shield back. Yes, and this is simply a one-action ability as well. So, yes, very, very easy to keep this going. Uh, plate in Treasure is a level 4 feat that is back to utility. Um, it essentially gives you Clad in Metal, the spell, uh, with a rank equal to your half your level rounded up. Uh, if you're wearing or holding an item of Light Bulk or Greater that's plated in Treasure, uh, any metal created by one of your impulses plated with that metal. So th this is literally back to, oh, a downtime activity. We can go ahead and, and uh, uh, we can guild some stuff or we can increase the hardness of something that otherwise would have low hardness. Um, you know, I, I would, I would allow people to make like makeshift seats, uh, shields or makeshift barricades. I think that's a really neat one. Uh, jumping up to 8th level, we have a, a very interesting kind of uh, overflow combat spell that I just thought was, this is such like a classic evil villain looking ability. You ex It's called Wretch Rust. You exhale tendrils formed from flakes of rusted metal. All creatures within a 30-foot cone take 4d10 slashing damage with a basic fortitude save against your class DC. A metal creature that fails its save also takes 2d6 persistent slashing damage. It's 2D4. And then heightened plus two, or 2D4, sorry. And heightens plus two, the cloud slashing damage increases by D10, persistent damage increases by D4. But yes, this is just, I don't know, I just picture this as like your kind of evil villain kind of quintessential ability. It's it's very amusing to me. I'm honestly thinking of, in the Green Mile, John Coffee when he coughs out the... Uh, oh yeah, the, a little the swarm nasty, of flies. A little yeah. swarm of things. That's what I'm thinking of. Uh, this is really good because otherwise, unless you like, you know, pull an element from it by default, a metal thing is going to be resistant to your damage and metal creatures and constructs are usually kind of a pain to deal with anyway. So if you know that you're going to be running into them, red trust, good stuff. Shatter shields. Uh, I think 
Go oh, ahead. yes. I, oh, no, I was just going to say, I love Shatter Shields. Shatter, <laughs> Shatter Shields is, is one is of so my favorites. Cool. This is a level 12 uh, stance. Four plates of pitted metal float around you to intercept attacks. All you and all your allies in your aura gain a plus one circumstance bonus to AC. Uh, when any creature with this bonus would take damage, one of the plates reduces the damage by its hardness of five. If the damage exceeds the hardness, the plate is destroyed. Uh, you can replenish all the destroyed plates as a single action that has the concentrate trait. So you could just keep bringing the plates back. Um, I mean, it's essentially five free HP to everybody in your aura for an attack. I mean, this could be the difference between your party going down to a breath weapon or something. I mean, this is this is neat. I like it a lot. Well, and because this is a you know a single action stance, your ability to regenerate this because of using overflows and things like that is, you know, you're always going to have this up. So, yeah, very, very, very awesome to reduce that damage by five for physical attacks up to four times. And, you know, next round you can bring it back. So, yeah, very cool. Again, the, the naming of the 18th level abilities, someone had so much fun with these. We have hell of a million needles. <laughs> This is a overflow. Uh, the landscape fills with monumental filaments of metal. The needles lance into a cube 30 feet on a side within 500 feet. So not a sphere. They've decided that this is going to be a cube. Uh, each creature in the area takes 13d6 piercing damage with a basic reflex save. Each creature that fails to save is impaled, becoming immobilized until it escapes against your class DC. A creature that critically failed is also off guard as long as it is impaled. The hell remains until the end of your next turn, but you can sustain it using the impulse ends the previous one. The first time you sustain it each round, lightning crisscrosses the needles. Each creature in the area takes 3d12 electrical damage. Base reflex save for that oh one as well. Oh my god. It's so Squares good. in the area are hazardous terrain. A creature taking and a creature takes six piercing damage for every square that they move through. This ability does so much. <laughs> yes. So it's, awesome. frankly, it's gross. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> immobilize, do electrical damage, hazardous terrain. If they try to if they get unimmobilized and have to move through it. Imagine if you took air as well and you get to to bonus your 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 electrical damage as well. What? So good. So good. Yes, there is oh metals very metal. Oh my That's god, we still have expect. three more elements and we're 46 minutes in, Christian. Do we need to cut it? Do we no, need we to only extend? Have two. We only have two. We have wood and we water. Have, That's it. Wood and water. Okay. If, we, so if, if we're not counting composite. <laughs> right? There's composite. That's what you said. Water. Here we go. Uh, Water is really fun. This is a lot about like forced movement, um, some mobility stuff. There's actually a fair amount of, of healing in here, too, which you might not expect, but it's here. Uh, first level, we've got Ocean's Balm. Uh, blessing of the Living Sea solves wounds and douses flames. Healing Impulse um, does vitality. Back to this is, you know, no more positive. It's vitality. It uh, creature regains 1d8 hit points and gains resistance resistance and gains resistance to to fire for one minute. If it has persistent fire damage, it can attempt the flat check to remove it with especially appropriate help. So that is at a that lowers the DC. Uh, however, your uh, GM wants to lower it to. And the target is then temporarily immune to healing. But every two levels, it increases by 1d8 and the resistance increases by one. Good level one healing. 
more more reason that you could go ahead and safely do a full kineticist party at level one. You get some healing. And water does have a, a fair number of cold abilities too. Uh, so just if you're wanting to know there, there's plenty of water, but then also mix in with cold and ice effects, things like that. Uh, jumping up to six level, uh, we have driving range a, or driving rain, a three action overflow, uh, heavy drops of rain battered down, hitting like stones and impeding vision. Each creature in a 15 foot burst within 120 feet takes 3d8 bludgeoning damage, basic reflex save until the start of your next turn. All creatures are concealed while in the area and all creatures outside the area are concealed to creatures within. And then at level plus two increases to a d8. Just nice to be able to deal some of these large area of damage area, large damaging areas with water effects. I really dig impenetrable fog a lot. That's a level eight one. Um, you call forth fog bank in a 10 foot burst within 120 feet. All creatures in the fog are concealed and outside the fog are concealed to creatures within it. The fog is so magically dense that it impedes movement, making the area difficult terrain. And it lasts until the end of your turn. You can sustain it for up to a minute. Every three, three levels, you can make the radius of the burst larger, increasing its maximum size by five feet. I like this a lot. I like anything that can add some concealment, but this one can also add some movement as you make some lovely thick soup air for them to try to move through. This is an overflow one, so you got to be careful because it uses a full three actions. So you're going to overflow and you can't immediately bring back your element. But this is a really good get-out-of-jail-free card, potentially, if you are worried about something closing a gap and getting to you and doing something, or just you need to add concealment because you need to have that little extra oomph to maybe not be hit by something. Add to that if you have one of the many feats or ancestries that allows you to see through smoke or water or, or mist or something like that, you can bypass some of the bad effects of this. Good utility. Uh, 12th level, we have Glacial Prison. This is uh, a fun one, also an overflow. Intense cold swirls around, around your foe. The target creature, it, it, the target is a creature you can observe within 120 feet. They attempt a fortitude reflex, or a fortitude reflex. They attempt a fortitude save against your class DC. The creature is temporarily immune for 24 hours. Critical success, nothing happens. Success, the target is slowed one until the end of its next turn. Failure, the target is frozen solid. It can't act. Its AC is nine. It has hardness five. And it's immune to other cold effects. Critical hits and precision damage. This lasts until the end of your next turn, but if the target is affected by a hostile action, the effect ends immediately after that action critical failure as failure but after becoming unfrozen the creature is slowed one until the end of its next turn and yes this does have the incapacitation trait i will also say but, that if you don't say freeze as you use this your gm should impose a penalty to your role just saying <laughs> maybe you get a bonus if you do say freeze no mine's better i like to enforce <laughs> cheesiness not in, not encourage it <laughs> Okay, so I'm, I'm again going to jump up to 18th because they had, again, too much fun. They went way too hard on naming these, these level 18 ones. Usurp the Lunar Reigns. You essentially are able to subvert the moon's control over the tides. So you choose an area 50 feet long by 50 feet wide within 500 feet, and you choose two effects from the options provided below. You have Flood, Control, Modulate, and Slow. So with Flood, you can create a pool of 
pure clean water in that 50 foot by 50 foot within 500 feet. Water must be created on a surface, not in the air, and it flows normally. For control, you tug on the moon to raise or lower the level of bodies of water in the area by 10 feet. Uh, this has a lot of utility uh, for if you have a, you know, a boat on dry land that you need to get out. Or maybe there's something 10 feet underwater and your party can't get to it otherwise. Uh, but you can lower or, or increase the, the depth of the, the water in a body of water. With modulate, you can turn a harsh seas calm or calm seas harsh. And slow, uh, you can exert control over anything with a water tray in your area. And they have to succeed in a fort save against your class DC or be slowed one. And you get to pick two of those. Uh, flood and control are permanent and non-magical. Modulate and so last until the end of your next turn. So like, you could be in a desert and there's a, 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 you know, you have no water. You can use flood and you now have water until it dries up. A 50 foot by 50 foot pool of clear water. So, so cool. A pool of clear water that you then raise by 10 feet again. I love it. I think this is really cool utility and the naming is just fun. I don't know that it has a huge amount of combat uh, versatility. Um, but as far as just out of combat utility and RP ability and the thematic nature of it, I think it's really cool. You say that now until you're like, oh, so we're going into this dungeon. Okay. I'm going to just create a flood of water that is just going to go down into this dungeon. Cause I can literally do this every 12 seconds. So. <laughs> you know what? That, well, that's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. This is an overflow. So yes, it's every 12 seconds, but yeah, totally. You can use since flood is, it's creates water. That's normal. And you can create 10 feet more of it. You could literally flood out an entire dungeon. Have fun with that. GMs at 18th level. They should expect it by then. All right. Moving on to wood. We have our fresh produce. This is a hilarious first little feat. You create a small piece of either a nut, vegetable, seed, or fruit. And when a creature eats it, they regain 1d4 plus one hit points. And they also gain resistance two to void damage. And they cannot eat another piece of produce for 10 minutes. So you can only do it once per 10 minutes. But this is only a one action. So theoretically, you can, you know, you can pretty easily hand these out to people. And then every two levels, the healing increases by 1d4 plus five and the resistance increases by two. And I don't know how I feel about that because you, your base is 1d4 plus one, but then it increases by 1d4 plus five. I just can't look at it and go, no, it increases by this amount. No, it's a different amount. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, I just like the idea of starting literally every social encounter you have by giving somebody a piece of fruit or vegetable or something like it becomes your calling card. As soon as you talk to a new person, a banana appears in their hand. Yeah. <laughs> like here, take this. Uh, they have mm -hmm. another, they have an armor ability, just like metal. Uh, this one is very similar to metal. It also creates a shield, except it is a wooden shield. But other than that, everything is the same. The one that is the ability that has been getting a lot of chatter is Timber Sentinel. And this is a first level two action impulse. It is not overflow. And basically you with it, you basically cast the protector tree spell from Secrets of Magic within 30 feet. So this is a 
a thing that blocks damage and you can just keep doing this every round so people like oh wow <laughs> this is this is a really impressive ability honestly oh absolutely tumbling lumber is fun not because i think it's amazing even though it's pretty good the idea of just a bunch of logs appearing from a portal in the plane to just slam into people it's like it's like using a portal gun to 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 drop a pile of logs on somebody that's exactly what it is you drop a pile of logs uh and then they roll in a 10 foot wide and 30 foot long line each creature in the area takes 2d8 bludgeoning damage and may be moved by the logs depending on their reflex save against your class dc critical success critical success unaffected success is half damage failure full damage and pushed out of the line in the most direct path available critical failure Creature takes double damage and is knocked prone. Increases by 1d8 every three levels. I just think the visual of this is great. It's very Benny Hill, and I love it. It's it's a Looney Tunes ability. It's so good. Yeah, I was just going to say, for the one person that's listening to this and has also seen Swiss Family Robinson, <laughs> they're like, they know what's going on here. Oh, yeah, man. And, you know, for those who loved the discussion of the bradford pairs we have drifting pollen in eighth level stance <laughs> a haze of pollen floats around you a creature in your kinetic aura when you enter the stance or who enters later the aura or ends its turn in your aura they attempt a fortitude save against your class dc on a failure they are sickened one sickened two on a critical failure and dazzled until it's no longer sickened a creature attempts to save no more than once per round and doesn't attempt a new save if already affected I fail that save but, yeah. for like two weeks solid every spring. Yes, I was going to say, Sicken is such <laughs> a great ability because of you have to spend actions to get rid of it, and you have big penalties. So, Orchard's Endurance at level 14. We haven't talked about a lot of the level 14 ones, but this is really, really good, I think. Um, patches of bark appear on the skin of you and your nearby allies. So you and your allies in your kinetic aura gain resistance 5 to bludgeoning and piercing, and you and your affected allies roll flat checks to recover from persistent damage twice and take the higher result as a fortune effect. It's a stance. Um, every four levels, it, the resistance increases by two. But like giving everybody resistance to bludgeoning is, is cool. But giving everybody fortune on bleed checks is awesome. I cannot overstate how importantly... I cannot overstate how powerful bleed damages if you haven't had to deal with it and if you're just rolling garbage if you keep getting those bleed stacks just being able to have the chance to get rid of it twice is worth it right here i don't know why you wouldn't get oh, this yeah. if you had wood i actually will say i think for uh of all the elements they had one of my not that i think it's the most useful but it is one of my favorites thematically rouse the forest fury this is a three action overflow terrifying trees attack your enemies three large trees appear in unoccupied spaces within 500 feet at least 15 feet from one another each tree has an armor class of 40 fortitude 33 reflex 24 will 30, and 200 hit points. The trees can flank, but are unable to move. When a tree appears, it makes a strike. They share a multiple attack penalty. The tree's melee strike is a branch that has a reach of 10 feet. On a hit, the target is grabbed by the tree. Escape DC 40. The range strike 
is a hurled fruit, gourd, seed, or stone with range increment 60 feet. Either strike has a plus 30 modifier and deals 4d10 plus 9 bludgeoning damage. The tree lasts till the end of your next turn, and you can sustain the impulse. Each time you sustain the impulse, you can have one tree make a strike. I just thought this was such a fun spell to be able to you know, sort of <laughs> just bring out these trees to just start beating on people. It's the Ents coming down to Isengard, man. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's the first thing it, it brings to mind. Except they can't move. Stupid trees can't move. Right, that's no good, is it? Trees should be able to move. All right, we've already gone way long, and we still have oh composite impulses, and then other elemental allies, Eidolons, animal companions. We have the elemental rage ability of the Barbarian. So, yeah, there's a lot. We, there's new backgrounds. There's so much more to cover in players' options that we're just going to have to do a third episode on that. All right. We might have to record that at Gen Con. Ooh, that'd be which fun. Which is where we'll be next week. But when this releases, doesn't the, shouldn't this release during Gen Con? Right? Uh, yeah, right before it should release on Wednesday. So. Yeah. Yeah. You and I will be flying out there. while we are traveling. <laughs> Uh, so if you are listening and you wanted to come hang out with us at Gen Con, by all means, we would love to hang out with you as well. Uh, come drop by our Discord, find us, ping us, we'll find you. But if you're not, we'll be given a full update on what we find at Gen Con, the announcements that happen. And we are super excited this year. It's actually the first time I get to meet Christian in person after knowing him for like two years. Yes, I have not met any of the cast. I have met several Discord members, but I have never met any of the cast yet. And in turn, they have all met each other. <laughs> Are we? Yeah, well, no, Raymond has not. Raymond's only met me. Yeah. yeah, Raymond's only met you. He's not met Jake or Micah. Funny thing is, Raymond's in California. He's just on the other side, which is, for most people, that's a whole state away. All right. Well, that about wraps us up for today. I'm Christian. And I'm Trevor. And as usual, you all have a great week. Bye, y'all. <laughs>